Hi, this is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. Do you want to be wise? I know that you do. However, not all things called wisdom really are. In James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, James defined and described the kind of wisdom we really want to have. The lesson you're about to hear takes a look at those verses. So get your Bible out, turn to James chapter 3, and get ready to ask, Who is wise and understanding among you? Well, it sure is good to be back with you guys again. And I certainly appreciate the opportunity that I got two weeks ago to get to go down to Texas with uh, Jimmy Frazier and then a brother from down in Jackson Heights and then a fellow that works with Kenny. And we miss Kenny being there, but, but he sent us down with a bunch of tools and... and uh, Man, I watched those guys work all week long. They are the hardest workers I have ever seen. It was just amazing watching them all, all get around. And, and listen, those of you who actually read the report online and have talked about the wound that I received, it was vicious, it was awful, uh, it was terrible. I didn't think I was going to survive, but it's healing up nicely now. And uh, so I appreciate all the prayers for that little... I, I'll tell you, when you change the blade in a box knife, you've got to be careful what you do with it, because the very first thing that thing cut was my hand. And uh, those things are sharp. And so I'll just, the little kids, when you're playing with knives, if you're dropping something and you've got a knife in your hand, just let it fall. Because otherwise, the knife will end up in your hand. That's exactly what happened. But I survived, and we got a lot done, and I appreciate that. Of course, we just got to have a, a week at Jackson Heights down in Columbia, and those of you who came and supported in that really appreciate that. That meant a lot to me. Well, it's time to get back to work, though, here. And I just want to start this morning with a question. If the Lord appeared to you in a vision in the night and said to you, whatever you want, I'm going to give it to you. Whatever you would like to have, you just tell me your heart's desire, what would you ask for? Now, we all know the answer to that question, right? Because we've all read about Solomon and we know that the Lord came to him in the night and said, anything that you want, Solomon, I'll give it to you. And Solomon asked for what? Wisdom. And so we know that's the right answer. I know what I'm supposed to ask for. Wisdom. I want wisdom. And I would imagine if I asked anybody here, do you really want wisdom? We'd all raise our hand and say, that's exactly what I want. I want to be a wise person. But we need to be aware that not everything that anyone in the world calls wisdom really is wisdom. James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. James talks to us about two different kinds of wisdom. And in James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Here we see two different kinds of wisdom. There's God's wisdom, and then there's earthly wisdom. 
We need to make sure that we're having the kind of wisdom that comes from above. And that's what I want us to talk about for just a few moments this morning. We're just going to examine this passage. We're going to try to take it apart and look at all the terms that are used here and what James says. And then we want to make sure to examine ourselves. What kind of wisdom is going on in our lives? And we're going to end with some questions that we can ask ourselves about whether or not we've got godly wisdom occurring in our lives. Before we get into that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we lift you up because you are worthy of praise and adoration. You are the blessed God. You are holy and righteous and just, but you're also merciful, and we're so thankful for that because we need your mercy. Father, we need your wisdom, and we pray that you would give it to us. We know that you promised that if we ask for it in faith, you will fill us with wisdom. And we'd ask that you would give us the wisdom that we need to live our daily lives and our families, on our jobs, at school, within the congregation. We pray that you would give wisdom to our leaders within this congregation, be with our elders, that they'll have wisdom in guiding us and shepherding us and helping us to heaven. Be with our deacons as they serve in the congregation, that they will serve wisely. And Father, we pray that you would be with each of our teachers, that they would spread your word in a manner that is wise and that they would teach our youngsters, our adults, and everyone that they're teaching, that you would help them to to do so in wisdom. And Father, be with every single member in this congregation, that each of us would have wisdom as we live the Christian life, as we shine your light in this community, as we work together as a congregation. Help us to have the godly wisdom that produces peace, the harvest of righteousness, and help us to have that. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for loving us. Through your Son's name we pray, amen. Well, the first thing we need to recognize is James chapter 3 and verse 14 says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Here's the thing that we need to get rid of. Human wisdom, man's wisdom, is going to be bound up in bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. The idea of bitter jealousy. The idea that I want things my way and I don't want you to be able to have things your way. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 45, we see an example of this kind of jealousy. Acts chapter 13 and verse 45, it says, when Paul had all these crowds, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. They were happy to listen until they saw the influence that Paul was having. And then they were filled with bitter jealousy. That's not surprising because we know the very same thing happened to Paul's master in Matthew chapter 27. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 18, it talks about what Pilate understood regarding why the Jews had delivered Jesus. It says in Matthew 27 and verse 18, for Pilate knew that it was out of envy or jealousy that they had delivered him up. This is that the, the bitter jealousy, the idea that, that I don't like it if you're receiving some of the accolades and praise. I don't like it if you're receiving the credit. I want the credit to come to me. It's that kind of bitter jealousy. I want my plans to be the ones that are adopted. I don't want your plans. I, if everybody would just listen to me instead of listening to you. That's the idea here. He says there's that human wisdom is filled with bitter jealousy. But I don't like it when somebody else gets the credit. I don't like it when somebody else receives the honor. I've got to have all of that for me. And, of course, that ties in with the next statement when it talked about the selfish ambition. Or your translation may say self-seeking. This word is also translated contention. Because those who have bitter jealousy are often contending with others. We want to argue with others and fight with others and try to show how others are not as great as we are. Bitter jealousy. Selfish 
ambition. What dreadful things these these two concepts are. Do you remember back in 1994, when I believe it was, we found out that Tanya Harding was involved in the attack on Nancy Kerrigan? I think I got those names the right way. I always get them mixed up. Remember how shocking that was? Bitter jealousy, selfish ambition. That's what it produces. And you can imagine what kind of things would happen within a church if we as the people of God are filled with bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, attacking one another, berating one another, putting one another down. Because we're trying to push ourselves forward. The selfishly ambitious believe that life is a zero-sum game. There's only so much, and if you have some of it, I'm losing some of it. And so I've got to bring it all to myself. Whether it's attention, honor, fame, power, glory, it doesn't matter. We can't have these things in our lives. In fact, if we look in Philippians, Paul pointed out that we have to remove this in Philippians. Turn over to chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Paul said, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Your translation may have selfish ambition there. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. We have to remove bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. But then James pointed out to us what our wisdom should look like. In James chapter 3 and verse 17, he says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Let's just talk about each of those terms. The kind of wisdom that we're supposed to have. Our wisdom is supposed to be pure. That is, without alloy, without anything mixed in. When, when folks see us and they see the things that we say and they see the way that we act, They're just seeing who we are. There's no ulterior motive. There's no manipulative technique. There's there's nothing behind what we're doing. What you see is what you get. The wisdom from above is just pure. But it's also peaceable. It makes for peace. First and foremost, it makes for peace with God. We need to recognize that that peace with God is what is ultimately important. It's It's not so important to have peace with others if we're going to sever our peace with God. In fact, if we flip down into James chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. First and foremost, the wisdom from above seeks peace with God, but then then it seeks peace with others. You see, the wisdom from above is not about being contentious and fighting and bickering and arguing with each other. The wisdom that is from above seeks the peace, seeks to come to unity based upon the Word of God. The wisdom that's from above is not about putting others in their place, but putting others, excuse, excuse me, putting others on a pedestal. As we want peace among ourselves. Yes, I know that this does not mean that we overlook sin. It's not a peace at all costs, because then that wouldn't be peace with God, as we already pointed out. But the wisdom that's from above is not seeking a fight. The wisdom that's from above is seeking peace and unity and togetherness. It's pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. Perhaps we can understand this by looking at some passages that show some contrast. If you flip over to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18, Peter said, Servants... Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, 
but also to the unjust. The New King James there says, but also to the harsh. See, gentleness is contrasted with being unjust, with being harsh. Gentleness means not being abrasive or abusive or vindictive or vengeful. Gentle is the idea of the meekness and submission to try to help others, no matter what they're like. Titus chapter 3 and verse 2. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 2, it says that we should speak evil of no one. This is Titus chapter 3 and verse 2. Speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. Be gentle. And show perfect courtesy toward all people. King James says, don't be a brawler, but be gentle. The New American Standard says, don't be contentious, but be gentle. You see, being gentle is the opposite of that contention. A brawling, arguing, gentleness, the wisdom that comes from God is not about being in a fight. But it's about being kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, and loving. As, even if we have to talk to folks about error. You remember in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul said, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Even if we have to talk to folks about error, we're supposed to be coming to them in gentleness, in meekness. This is not about showing them how wrong they are. This is not about showing them how right we are. This is about being submissive and trying to help others go to heaven, as we also want to go to heaven. That's the wisdom that comes from above. And going along with that, the wisdom is also open to reason. See, the, the wisdom that comes from the earth, man's wisdom, is not open to reason. Man's wisdom is so enamored with itself that it just can't listen to anyone else. But God's wisdom is open to reason. God's wisdom is open to listen to others and, and hear what is reasonable. God's wisdom, the wisdom that comes from above, recognizes that everything doesn't always have to be done exactly the way I want it to be done. I'm not the end-all, be-all. My way is not the only way. And, and guys, this is hard for me. But this, this is the thing that we've got to understand. Godly wisdom is open to reason. And I'll tell you what that means is that godly wisdom is willing to listen. Because I can only find out what is reasonable if I will stop and listen. Sadly, too many times we're so caught up in what we want that we only listen to others enough to just be able to argue with them. We need to stop and listen and figure out what somebody else is saying. When they're done, we may still think they're wrong and we can respond. But godly wisdom stops and listens and is open to reason. It goes on and says that godly wisdom is full of mercy. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 7, I think, helps us understand what this concept of full of mercy is. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 7. Jesus said to the Pharisees there, If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. The Pharisees, because they didn't have mercy, condemned even those who were guiltless. The wisdom that is from the earth is looking to find what's wrong with everyone. And if that's what you're looking for, trust me, you will find it. But the wisdom that's from above is full of mercy. The wisdom that's from above is seeking to figure out ways to help folks be saved, not just tell them how lost they are. 
And we need to understand the difference between those two. Far too many Christians are busily letting everybody know they're lost. And they're not really having a concern that folks would be saved. The wisdom that's from above is full of mercy. And so they're not looking for all the wrong things. They're looking for right things. They're looking to help other folks be saved. And I think of another passage that helps us understand the, the wisdom of mercy. In Luke chapter 10, just a few weeks ago, we studied the Good Samaritan. And in Luke chapter 10 and verse 37, when that whole story is winding down and Jesus asked the lawyer which one was his neighbor, he said in verse 37 of Luke 10, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do the same. You go show mercy. The wisdom that's from above is looking for opportunities to relieve the pain and suffering that others are going through. It's not looking to add to it. It's looking to relieve it and help. That's the wisdom that's from above. But not only is it full of mercy, it's full of good fruits. Matthew 7.16 says you can know a man by its fruits. In fact, there in James chapter 3, right before our passage that we're studying, in James 3 and verse 12, James said, Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. If it's producing olives, we know it's an olive. You know what? Now that I think about it, does olive come off of trees or off the of vine? Tree? Okay. If it's, then it's an olive tree. I should have studied that one a little bit closer. If it's a grape, then I know that one. That one comes from a vine. Uh, and figs come from a tree because my neighbor in Texas used to have a fig tree and we, she'd always give us these figs. And I'll just, I'll just tell you, all of you lovely people who have fig trees in your yard, I hate figs. So be merciful to someone else with your figs and give them to them. But I know that figs come from a tree because she had one and she gave them to us every year. Anyway, you can tell what kind of plant it is by the fruit that it produces. What kind of fruit are we producing? Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The wisdom that's from above produces that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If those things aren't in your life, then you're not following the wisdom that's from above. If you're following the wisdom from above, then that's what's going to be in your life. Because the wisdom that's from above is full of good fruits. And it's impartial. The wisdom that's from above is impartial. All these other things that we've talked about, the, the, the purity, the peaceableness, the gentleness, the wisdom that's from above extends those things equally to all others. It doesn't matter if they're black or white, rich or poor, male or female, young or old. It doesn't matter where they, where they live, what school they go to. I was just talking, were you all aware? I just have to share this with you. I just found out that Julie Gilbert went to Auburn. You see why she and Jonathan are sitting so far apart? You know, the wisdom that's from above, though, doesn't care. The wisdom that's from above is impartial. And so we're going to have to help Jonathan treat his sister a little better. But the point being is that it doesn't matter. Republican or Democrat, the wisdom that's from above treats each other impartially. We have to recognize that. Otherwise, we've got the wisdom from the earth. And finally, it says that not only is it impartial, but it's sincere. Your translation may say, without hypocrisy. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9 tries to make this exact same point 
not doesn't try it, does make this exact same point. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, it says, let love be genuine. Your translation may say, let love be without hypocrisy. This is not just a picture that we put on. This is not just something we present to try to look good. It's sincere. Honest. What you see is what you get. It brings it back around full circle to that concept we had back at Purity. You see, those who have godly wisdom, they're, they're not having to work at it to make it look good. It's become natural. This is just who they are. And there's no doubt that at some point we probably need to have a lesson that just goes through Romans 12, 9 through 21, and looking at what all that means about the Christian life. But for now, let's just, let's just read this and see what kind of sincerity we're supposed to be having. It says, let love be genuine or without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's how we live when we have godly wisdom in sincerity, without hypocrisy. But James said in James chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. It says don't boast and be false to the truth. I think this provides a great warning for us. James recognizes how easy it is to be dishonest with ourselves. James recognizes how easy it is to lie to ourselves. You see, those who have earthly wisdom, most of them probably don't even realize that their wisdom is not from above. They are so enamored with how wonderful they are, they just can't imagine why everybody else doesn't realize how wonderful they are. And so they can't see where their wisdom is coming from. Don't boast and be false to the truth. We've got to be honest with ourselves. And this is what makes this so challenging. Because we can play mind games with ourselves so easily. And we can lie to ourselves so easily. And so we have to take care and be honest. And here's the reason why it's important. Because if we don't have the godly wisdom, the wisdom that's from above, it's not just, oh, a little bitty thing. It's not just, well, too bad, you ought to work on it a little bit more. Look at these terms that James uses. He says that this wisdom is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Your translation there in unspiritual may say sensual. Earthly, sensual, unspiritual, demonic. Does that sound like, well, you know, it's a close second? You know, it may not quite be the godly wisdom, but hey, I'm doing pretty good with, what, with the cards I've been given. Now, this is important. This, this wisdom that's not... If we don't have the wisdom that's from above, we're from below, is what James is saying. Philippians chapter 3 
verses 18 and 19. Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19 describes the person who's living in this kind of ungodly wisdom. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. That's the idea of the sensualness and the unspiritualness. And they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. You see, they have earthly wisdom. It's unspiritual and it's also demonic. Jude, the little book of Jude right there before Revelation. Jude, beginning at verse 16, talks about the kind of people who live in this ungodly wisdom. And it says, these are grumblers, malcontent, following their own sinful desires or their sensual desires. There's that sensuality again, that which is unspiritual. They are loudmouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions. Worldly people, earthly people, devoid of the Spirit. Unspiritual people. You see, this is, this is what we are if we're following ungodly wisdom. This is what we are. And so this, this is important for us to get it right. And so we need to ask ourselves, it would seem as we look at this that, that we'd want to test, how can I tell? If, if it's easy for me to lie to myself, how can I examine myself and see what kind of wisdom is going on in my life? Well, James helps us with that too. In verse 16 he says, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Here's how we can tell. If there is disorder and vile or evil practice in our life, then in those instances we're following the ungodly wisdom. And what I'd like for us to do for just the final few moments of this lesson, throughout the book of James, even passages that weren't specifically in the direct context of this, it shares with us some disorder, and it shares with us some vile practices. And obviously we're not going to go through every single disorderly conduct and every single vile practice that's possible, but I just want us to look at some that are highlighted from the book of James and ask ourselves some questions so that we can look at ourselves. And as we do this, the purpose of this is not to try to put everybody in their place and look at how bad we are. It's just to to let us know where we need to work on our wisdom, where we need to grow. I know that every one of us here wants to go to heaven. Every one of us here wants to serve God. The whole issue here is figuring out how can I grow in this wisdom because not a single one of us is perfect in this wisdom. We've all got places where we need to grow. So I just want us to ask some questions based upon the book of James that will help us root out the ungodly wisdom that we're still following so that we can grow in the wisdom that's from above. The first question, do you blame God or others for your sins? In James chapter 1 and verse 13, James said, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. When you sin, do you find that you blame God? Or maybe you don't blame God because you know that would be bad, but you're blaming others. When things go wrong in your life, when you fail, when you sin, do you find that it's natural that you turn around and point at others? It's their fault? Or do you look at yourself and the places where you can improve? Now, be honest. Remember, it's easy for us to lie to ourselves, so we need to be honest here. Do you blame others when you sin? In James chapter 1, and verse 19, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. Do you find that you're quick to speak and slow to listen? 
Do you find that you're more interested in your solutions than other people's problems so that you're just chomping at the bit to make sure you get to put your two cents in? You see, those who have godly wisdom, those who have the wisdom from above, they stop and they listen. And they're open to reason. And they give thought before they speak. Do you find that everything that ever enters your mind, you just say it? Do you justify yourself with all the things that you've said by saying, well, somebody needs to be honest? Let's be honest. Godly wisdom is slow to speak and quick to hear. But also in that passage, as it went on, it said in in James chapter 1 and verse 19, My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Do you find that you get angry easily? Is it just real easy for you to blow up? Do folks in your family have to walk around on eggshells because they never know exactly how you're going to respond? That's, that's not godly wisdom. The wisdom that's from above is, remember, peaceable and gentle. If you find that, that you've got a short fuse, that's not just, oh, you know, hey, we all have our little problem. That's, that's the improper wisdom that's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. We've got to work on that because the wisdom that's from above doesn't have that kind of vile practice. It doesn't get angry quickly. It's not provoked easily. And then, of course, when it is provoked, it responds in righteousness, not with sin. As we continue on, we recognize this question. Do you treat different groups differently? There in James chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, My brothers... Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Is there partiality in your life? Do do you... Do you find the people that you think will be able to help you out and so you treat them better, but then the others just kind of you leave to the wayside? Is it the in crowd, those who are in and popular, you'll, you'll be good with them, but the rest are just kind of unimportant? The rich, do you treat them differently than you do the poor? The white, do you treat them differently than you do the black? The black, do you treat them differently than you do the white? Do you treat different people differently? And I don't mean that. Obviously, there's a sense in which, you know, we we treat each person as an individual. I understand that. But just as we look at all these principles that we're talking about, do we work to use them all equally with all classes of people? Because godly wisdom is impartial. Remember? Do you provide lots of advice, but little help? In James 2 and verse 15 and 16 it says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving the things needed for the body, what good is that? Do you find that you're quick to let everybody know what you think they ought to do, but very slow to actually provide active, real help? That's... See, godly wisdom, those who are not filled with selfish ambition and bitter jealousy, they're out there helping people. 
It's not just let me give you my two cents on every little thing out there, but it's actually let me be of some real help. When they see folks that need to be warmed and filled, they warm them and fill them. Because you see, the wisdom that's from above is filled with mercy. Not just talk, but actual, real mercy. Do you speak evil of others? In chapter 3 and verse 11, excuse me, verse 10, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Verse 9, with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. In chapter 4 and verse 11, it says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against the brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Then in chapter 5 and verse 9, it says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Do you find that you're constantly talking evil about someone? You're constantly talking bad about someone, having to put them down? Somebody else gets complimented and you've got to be the one that says, Oh, now wait a minute, they're not all that. Because those with bitter jealousy and selfish ambition have a hard time seeing others be lifted up in honor. And they want to make sure that everybody knows how exactly human they are. Listen, we all know everybody here is human. We all know everybody here messes up. But we need to spend some time pointing out where folks get it right. That's what the godly wisdom does. So do you find that you're constantly saying bad things, slandering folks behind their back, gossiping about them? Are you doing that to make yourself feel better? Or to make them look worse than you? Be honest now. Do you repeatedly have conflict with others? Chapter 4 and verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? These brethren were constantly having quarrels and fights. Do you just ever notice that you just kind of constantly seem to be the one that's at the center of all the turmoil that happens in your family or at school or on the job or, or even within the congregation? You know, it's amazing. I've seen people at times that, that there's just always turmoil surrounding them. And it's, if, if it's not with one person, it's another. You finally get that fire put out and they're having turmoil with somebody else. And, and it just never remotely occurs to them that there's one common denominator in all these fights and in all these quarrels. And it's them. Have you ever noticed that? The common denominator in all your quarrels and in all your fights is you. Do you find that you have a lot of those? I mean, obviously, there's going to be some. I mean, we live in a... Be at peace with all men as much as it depends on you. Some folks won't be at peace with you. I know that. But you see, those who have earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom, it just seems to kind of attract that because, well, they've got to contend with others because they've got to make sure that their way is done. But those with godly wisdom, they live peaceably. And their gentle answers turn away wrath. That's the godly wisdom. Do you often find that there's just one common denominator in all your quarrels, and you got a lot of them? And be honest about it now. And also there in chapter 4 and verse 1, it goes on, Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And then in verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Do you spend much time thinking about all the things that you want? Instead of thinking about the things that you can do for other people and the things that you can give to other people and the way that you can help other people, you spend time thinking about how you wish everybody would do things for you and all the things that you want. You know, Christmas is coming up, the most covetous time of the year. How much of Are we already, oh, this is what I want, I hope they get this and I get this and, and, and they give me this and all that stuff? If we're so focused on our passions and all these material things that we want, that's not godly wisdom. 
We need to be thinking about what we can do for others. Now, be honest here. And finally, do you get upset when those who have sinned against you repent? James chapter 5 and verse 19 says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. What a wonderful thing it is when somebody who, is, who has been living in sin turns around and comes back to the will of God or someone who has repeatedly sinned puts it away and serves the Lord. And yet sometimes when that person has sinned against us, we get the feeling that they're getting away with it. How awful that they get away with all those sins just because Jesus forgave them. We think about all the sins that we got away with because Jesus forgave us. We need to see the repentance of a sinner and, and the acceptance of that sinner back into the fold as a wonderful thing. That's how those with godly wisdom see it. I have no doubt that we could look at all other kinds of questions. I'm sure I've even missed some from the book of James, but, but you get the idea. That's the kind of question we need to be asking ourselves because where that earthly, spiritual, demonic wisdom is every vile practice and every disorder will find its way in. We need to be looking what kind of fruit is coming up in our lives. We, we just, we've got to be honest with ourselves about this. If we see some of these negative things in our lives, it's not just a faux pas. It's not just, well, we're all human and it doesn't matter. God is showing us these things so we can work on them because He wants us to have the wisdom that's from above so that we can have peace and we can grow individually and as a congregation. Remember what it says there in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By His good conduct, let Him show His works in the meekness of wisdom. This is how we need to be living. Good conduct in the meekness of wisdom. See, wisdom doesn't provide haughtiness. Wisdom doesn't provide uh, tyranny. Wisdom provides meekness and good conduct. Pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Where do you need to work? That's what I hope you'll take away from this lesson. Because I know you've got to work somewhere. I've got to work. So I've got to work a lot of places. The reason I preach these lessons is to highlight where I need to work. And there's a lot of them. And I'm sure you guys could have been marking them down. Wait a minute. Edwin needs to be working on this one right here and this one right here. I'd hate to see Marita's list. we all got to work somewhere. Where do you need to work so that you can grow in wisdom? I hope this lesson edified you and glorified God. Let's remember what we learned. We must not be governed by jealousy or selfish ambition. Further, we are truly wise when our wisdom is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, and sincere. Finally, we can check our wisdom by asking ourselves and examining our lives to see if there is any disorder or any vile practice. If you have any questions about this lesson, or if you have any spiritual needs, please feel free to call us at 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. If you're ever in the Middle Tennessee area, we would love to get to meet you face-to-face. -face. Please join us for one of our classes or assemblies. You can find times and directions on our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We look forward to meeting you. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.